far. Okay, so it is great to see you all here in person, folks online. Woo. Um, it's summer. Yeah, it's summer. It was, yeah, thank you. Long, hard winter, record snowfall, and then we had the little tiny quick spring, all muddy. Um, and now, finally, it is summer. And summer in Duluth is the best. It is marvelous. I hope that you've got some great plans for the summer. I am looking forward to barbecues and getting the canoe out. You know, as a church, we also have some plans, some goals for the summer. As we've been thinking and praying about it, we would love to invite everyone to press into these three things. First, community. Find your people, whether it's through small group like they just talked about or through serving, whatever it is. Find your people and have fun with them this summer. You know, experience the joy of the Lord together. Let's, uh, let's relax and recharge our batteries together this summer. Second, discipleship. Yeah, if we're followers of Jesus, we're his disciples. And so we're his apprentices. We learn things from him. This summer, let's let Jesus teach us some lessons, right? Like lessons about how we can come to life, how we can be more like him. And a big way we're going to do that this summer is through studying the book of Colossians. Uh, we'll do it here on the weekend. We'll do it in small groups. I, uh, Colossians is this short, little, powerful book. I would encourage you to start reading it at home. Okay, third, Another way that we're inviting everyone to press in this summer is through pressing into the presence of God. Yeah, experiencing God's presence for yourself personally. You know, we just finished a series of talks on this, so on the Holy Spirit, and so we're just going to keep pressing into that. You know, look for ways in your life to do this. You know, maybe it's, again, it's praying and listening to God's voice. It's praying for other people. It could be anything else for you, too. It could be driving in your car and singing worship songs at the top of your lungs. It could be getting out into nature and marveling at what God has created. Make space. Let's find ways to connect with God this summer personally. Let's find ways to just drink in his incredibly powerful presence. Okay, summer. Summer is a time of, of new life. It's a time when things actually grow in Duluth. And I'm sure if we press into, if we press into these things, if we press into community and discipleship and the, God's presence, we will see growth in us. We will see new life. I, I hope that you get in on that. Okay, now I say that, um, that things grow in Duluth, but I got to tell you, confess, that I am the worst, just the worst gardener there is. Yeah, my wife, she has a green thumb, um, but I, um, I provide, I guess, minimal assistance, you know, unskilled labor. Actually, a lot of the times I, um, I sit in a lawn chair and I watch her garden because it's safer for the garden. And the other day I um, was sitting there watching and it, it dawned on me like, whoa, it's really hard to grow things in our yard. You know, not for me, but for her. And so I'm like, the winter, it just destroys so much plants and fences and everything. And, and then there's the constant battle against the deer and not to mention the bunnies. And, and then there are so, so, so many weeds. My goodness. Well, I'm thinking, you know, wouldn't it be great if there was like a seed, a plant that you could just 
pop into the garden and it would just flourish and it would just crowd out all the weeds and it would be this beautiful, lush plant that just has an amazing aroma and just the best fruit ever on it. And it would be totally deer resistant and it, you know, it would easily survive the summer. I mean, if you planted this seed, it would just almost magically transform your garden into something beautiful and glorious. Now, I don't think that seed exists, that plant exists for our gardens, but it absolutely does for our souls, for our characters, for our lives. And that's what Paul is talking about. That's what he's going to talk about throughout the book of Colossians. That's why we're calling this series of talks, Jesus, Bring Us to Life. Jesus, bring us to life. You know, Jesus is the vine. He is the seed. And there's no greater picture of Jesus, no higher, no loftier picture than Jesus in the, than in the book of Colossians. He is supreme. He is our good news. He is our king. He is our God. He is our reconciliation. And Colossians also shows us how Jesus brings us to life, how he is our identity, how he, he provides freedom for us from sin, how he is our new life. Colossians shows us how to nurture this seed, how to help it bear even more fruit in our lives. So let's get into Colossians. Um, if you grab a Bible here, it's on page 804 in our Bibles. I don't know what page it's on at your Bible at home, but grab a Bible and flip to Colossians. Um, you know, what we're going to see in Colossians is Paul is writing to a church that he's never been to. He didn't plant this church, but he's heard about them. Some bad things. There's some heresy going on. There's some belief that Christ alone isn't enough. But some super good things he's heard about this church. He's heard about how the gospel is bearing fruit. And Paul's excited about that. That's how he starts out the letter, thanking for that. So here we go. We're in Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, two God's holy people in Colossae, the, father, the, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. Okay, so that's the beginning of the letter. It's who it's from, it's who it's to, it's the initial greeting. Now we're gonna get to Paul being thankful, being you know, excited about the fruit that he's heard about there. We always thank God, the, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that springs from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have heard, about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our, fellow, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Okay, do we see the fruit? It, it's a little tricky. Maybe I'm just going to read that paragraph again. It's short. You can do it. Let's just read it one more time. 
We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that springs from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our, fellow, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. All right, do we see the fruit? Again, it could be a little tricky to see it. And actually, it's kind of interesting what's not the fruit here. Paul is not saying that the fruit is, I don't know, um, you know, their great knowledge, their learning, their understanding. No, that's not the telltale sign of life that comes from the gospel. Also, Paul's not saying that he's heard about their newfound holiness or obedience. Those will come in time. The important thing, the inevitable thing that comes from genuine, healthy Christian community is faith, hope, and love. For Paul, those are the big three. Just like in 1 Corinthians 13, faith, hope, and love. And in verse 5, Paul also shows us how those things are related, how they fit together. So if you go back to verse 5, it says he's talking about how the vine, and the vine there is the true message of the gospel that they have heard. It produces fruit. It produces hope stored up in heaven. And that hope, what comes from that hope, what springs from that hope is faith and love. Faith and love. That new life in us is truly amazing. It really is. And, you know, we've got this, like, ridiculous picture of it that we're going to show here on the screen, I think, of how it goes together, the banana and the... Yeah, yeah. So you've got the, uh, you got the, the gospel produces hope, and then it also produces faith and love. Yeah, there you go. I, I had a graphic designer do this. She didn't want to. Um, it's a ridiculous picture. Um, but, and I, you know, to give her credit, it doesn't, it doesn't do justice. It doesn't fit with the amazing thing that God does in us as, as he brings us to life. But because it is ridiculous, you'll probably remember it and how this works. Okay? So, let's dive in. Let's, let's, let's go, let's, what we're going to do today is we're going to unpack this picture. We're going to unpack the, the fruit that God gives us. And we're going to ask God to, really, we're going to ask Jesus to bring us to life. So let's do that now. Why don't you join me in prayer? Holy Spirit, come. Jesus, we welcome your presence here, your power and your love, and we do ask that you bring us to life. That as we hear once again your gospel, that it will, it will just spring up fruit in us, hope and faith, and love, and those will change us. They will change our lives. They will change how we feel inside and how we act towards other people, and we will leave today different. God, put power on these words. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, we're going to start out with the gospel, the seed, right? What is this gospel that comes to us? Uh, actually, first, maybe I should ask this question. And I'm asking this for everybody. If you're a follower of Jesus if, or if you're not a follower of Jesus, have you, do you sometimes think like um, this Christianity thing, it's, it's like a hard thing. It's like a hard task. Yeah, you know, it, it's good for me and for society, the the discipline, the self-denial, the doing your duty, and you know, reining in your passions. These are good things, but it is hard. Maybe actually let's go a little deeper, more personal. Have you ever thought, you know, if I could just get out from under the church, out from under Christianity, then I would be free. Then I could truly live. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever, is anyone thinking that now? If so, I am really sorry. Because you've probably been lied to about the gospel. And you don't get it. The gospel is good news. The Greek word that Paul uses, it doesn't mean story about Jesus. The gospel means good news. Good tidings. That's what the Greek word means. Good tidings. If we think the gospel is bad news, we've never heard the gospel. If, if we've never had, if we've never heard the gospel and had a deep, powerful experience of joy, we've never experienced the gospel. If that's where we're at, well, maybe today we could put aside our assumptions, our preconceptions, our pre-assuming, as my daughter likes to say, let's just put all that aside and Let's open ourselves up to the true message of the gospel, as Paul puts it. Yeah, the gospel, though, it's not just good news. In verse 5, Paul does describe it as a true message. In other words, it's a word of truth. It, it has substance. It has content, right? It, it, it's, not, it's not vague or wishy-washy, the gospel. No, the, the gospel is a, a bunch of things that we need to believe. Concepts, ideas. And this is probably no surprise to most of us. Yet, to believe in the gospel, if it is a word of truth means that we have to, things that, that oppose the gospel, ideas, concepts, arguments, we have to reject those. In the Colossians, we'll see this as we go through the letter, they had picked up some of those things. Yeah, probably from the internet or podcasts. Um, and, and us, too. I bet, I bet we've picked up some of those things. Weeds that need to be pulled out of the garden. Okay, the gospel, though, it, it's not just good news. It's not just a word of truth. There's something else to it that's almost like mystical. Yeah. And Paul, he, he kind of alludes to this in verse 6 when he says the gospel comes to us. I like the way that N.T. Wright describes this. He writes, when Paul thinks of someone, himself, or in this case, in Colossians, Epaphras, or anyone else t talking to people about King Jesus, the Messiah of Israel, who is now the Lord of the world, he doesn't think of them simply conveying information as though one computer is talking to another. This word is powerful. 
When it is spoken, God himself works through it, spreading the plant of new life, color, fragrance, and fruit in every place. Yeah, there is divine, there is supernatural power when the gospel comes to us. So, has it come to us? I'll tell you, I I wish I had better words to describe this. There have been like great followers of Jesus, great communicators, people like C.S. Lewis and Charles Wesley who have talked about, they've written about how they knew all the facts about the gospel, right? They knew about Jesus and what he did and then something changed. And they have a hard, it's hard for them even to put it into words. It's the gospel coming to us. It's the gospel coming to us. And if that hasn't happened in our lives, no better day than today. No better day than today to open ourselves up to it. Okay, one more here. Um, We need to get more substantive, right? The the gospel is good news. It's a word of truth. But what is it about, right? Like the the gospel is Jesus coming to us. But but what comes to us, right? How how does this work? What, What is the gospel that comes to us? And Paul, he actually talks all about this. He says in verse one, he is an apostle of Christ Jesus. Verse two, they are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Um, He he says in verse 3, our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 4, it's your faith in Christ Jesus. Paul's not subtle, right? If you jump down even to verse 28, he says that the gospel that they preach is he is the one we proclaim. He, he. See, the gospel is a person, Jesus, and it's what he's done, God's grace. Yeah, if we go to verse 6, the fruit, where it talks there about the gospel bearing fruit, just as it has done, just as it, excuse me, just as, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. God's grace. God's grace is, it's a gift. It's a gift that we don't earn, that we don't deserve. We can't earn it. All we can do is give up on ourselves and come to God empty-handed and receive it, accept it. And this grace, this, this gift is Jesus, right? It, it's the only son of God, the, the one son of God who came and he really, what he did is he humbled himself. He, he came and became human. He, he lived a perfect life and then he suffered and he died on that cross to, to pay the price, to, to experience hell in our place so that all of our sins, the price can be paid for all of them. And then he can give us his perfection, his righteousness, so we can have new life, so he can bring us to life. Do we understand the gospel? Do we truly understand who Jesus is and what he did? Yes? No? Maybe to some degree? You know we can test this, right? Paul's showing us how. Because when the gospel comes, it bears fruit. So let's look at the fruit, right? Let's actually look at ourselves to see if that fruit is in us, in our lives. Let's ask for more of this fruit. Holy Spirit, come. So, first off, 
uh, in verse 5, it talks about how when we hear the true message of the gospel, that hearing, that what comes to us is hope. Hope. It, it brings hope that, we, we, that is stored up for us in heaven. And, and this hope is in God's ultimate triumph, right? It, this, this is the hope that eagerly looks forward to, to God completing what Jesus started. That's the hope. And the hope is absolutely that God will come and he will make his dwelling place amongst his people, right? He will wipe away every tear from every eye. There will be no more death or mourning. There will be no more crying or pain. God will make all things new. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Do that. It's also the hope that God's kingdom is breaking through even now. Heaven is breaking through into our time now. We can experience it now. Jesus, bring us to life. Okay, that sounds marvelous, right? That is amazing. And life today can really stink. It can. It can be hard and painful. And many of us, many of us, we're trying to put a good face on it, right? We want our careers, our, our families, our homes to look good. And actually, we, we, we do. We, I mean, if you look at us, we, we're like, whew, they got it all pulled together. And yet inside, we don't really know who we are. We're not completely sure what we believe. We don't really know what we're living for. And I'll tell you, what happens is we start to get this nagging sense of emptiness, of soullessness, because our insides, our insides, they're, they're less than our outsides. Our outside facade is greater than our inside. And Paul, in Colossians, he is describing a new way of living that is completely the opposite of that. It's like flipped upside down that God will come and he will deposit so much power and love in us that our insides are far greater than our outsides. Imagine, imagine that we, care, we didn't care much about our appearance, how we look. Imagine that, that we don't care much about our stuff, all our stuff or our status or our accomplishments. Imagine that we don't care much about what parties we're invited to or who wants to be our friends or what they're saying about us behind our back. Imagine that we don't care much about any of that stuff, but we know exactly who we are. We know what we believe and we know what we're living for. That's the hope of the gospel. That's the hope, right? That we would have more substance in us. We would have more character in us than there is on the outside. That's what we're promised. That kind of hope. Now, let's talk about how that's stored up for us in heaven. That's saved for us in heaven. And really, another way to say that is it's a done deal. If we're followers of Jesus, that's what's going to happen to us. It is inevitable that that will happen. We will get that. It's finished. 
So how do we press into that? How, how do we live into that kind of hope? All right, imagine that there are uh, two football teams that make it to the Super Bowl. Okay, they both make it to the Super Bowl. And the first team, like, Everybody predicted that they'd make it. In fact, lots of people were predicting they'd win the Super Bowl way at the beginning of the season, right? They are an amazing team. They're just like the best. The second team, though, um, well, people predicted that they would end last in their division. And no one really saw them as amazing. But there they are in the Super Bowl. It's a total Cinderella story, okay? Now, how are these two teams going to approach the game? How are they going to play the game? Really? differently. The second team, right, they've had an amazing season. They made it to the Super Bowl, right? Right? It has been, you know, the Super Bowl doesn't even really matter that much now. You know, their coach won Coach of the Year. The, the fans, the press just love them. They are already winners. First team, they still have something to prove, right? If they don't win the Super Bowl, people are going to rip them apart. They're such an amazing team. The second team, they're going to play that game for the love of the game. They're going to play it with joy for playing the game they love. And they're going to play better because of that. The first team, well, if everything rides on one game, that can make you nervous, anxious, tight. And that doesn't help you play better. So with that in mind, let me ask this. How are we playing the big games in our life? How, how are we walking through life? Right? Are, are we walking through like the first team? Like, hey, you know, uh, the, life is not a referendum on my value because my value is set. It is stored up in heaven. If we're followers of Jesus, it is. Right? Our, our sins are forgiven. <laughs> right? When God looks at us, he sees perfection, and that's stored up in heaven. And also, right, we, when we go through life, we, we know that this feeling, maybe the, any feeling of emptiness and, and soulness that's in us, that is just temporary. We're going to make it to a place where we are satisfied, even with ourselves, that's stored up in heaven. So when we go through life, right, when we show up at a job interview or a tryout, an audition, when, when, we, when, we are, when people are checking us out, maybe we're on a first date, we're starting into a relationship, are we like that second team? Are we like, hey, this isn't about my value. There's no referendum on my value. It's set in heaven. I know that I'm, I win because Jesus won. I know who I am. Holy Spirit, come and bring that more and more into our lives, that kind of hope. Lord, let us live in that place of security, in that place of freedom in our lives. Come, Holy Spirit. Okay, next. Um, that hope, something springs from that. The first thing that springs from that is faith. Faith, this is the kind of faith that like reaches out and grabs hold 
of what Jesus is offering us. And that absolutely includes what Jesus is offering us through the cross, right? It, it, we reach out and we grab hold of forgiveness of sins that we are justified, that, that we're, we, we are going to escape judgment for all the things we have done. And, and this is the kind of hope that allows us to approach God, right? To, to actually have relationship with him. And this is also the kind, I say hope, faith. This is the kind of faith that allows us to approach God. And it's also the faith that we need for all parts of our lives. Yeah, one of the founders of the vineyard, um, John Wimber, he put it this way. The way in is the way on. Also, um, um, Timothy... Keller, he's a pastor in New York City. He actually really recently passed away, it is sad. Um, he, he said this, it's not that the gospel saves you, but now obedience and hard work advances you. The gospel saves you and advances you. The gospel is what brings you in and it's the gospel that sends you forward. Do we get what that means? It means that if there's any lack of fruit in our life, it means that if there's anything we're struggling with, character issues, addictions, it means that if we are angry or anxious or, or, or discouraged, if, if, if there's anything we're struggling with, if there's any lack of fruit, the only complete solution, the only remedy is the gospel. It's Jesus and what he did. That's it. If, if we're going through life and we don't know what to do, if we're like, hey, I've got this life with Jesus, but where do I go? We just need to look back at the door that got us in. The door that got us in. Another Keller quote for you. Uh, the way you know you got the, the way you know you got the gospel is you have become aware that the gospel is also the solution to all of the problems and, and that, to, excuse me, is also the solution to all of your problems and that all of your problems come from a failure to somehow apply it and understand it and use it in your life. If you say, I've never heard that, then you really don't understand the gospel yet. I love how blunt Keller is. Now, do we see how this is about faith? Um, many of us, we have faith that Jesus died for our sins. We have faith that we're in, that we're headed to heaven. Great. How many of us, though, how many of us have faith that Jesus, what he did, the gospel, is the solution to all the problems in our life? Not many of us. We don't live that way. I don't live like that way most, much of the time. We don't. And this is a common problem. It really is. If, if you look at Paul, he writes these letters to these churches, right? Colossians, Galatians, um, Corinthians. In most of those letters, this comes up. People are saying to Paul things like this. I got Jesus, but I also need circumcision. I, I got Jesus, but I also need righteousness. I got Jesus, but I also need this or that. And Paul is saying, no, no you don't. In fact, the root of so many of your problems is the I also need. Stop it already with the I also need. Yeah, when we say but also to the gospel, we're, we're kind of admitting 
that we don't get how the gospel is Jesus. We think the gospel is just about Jesus. Yeah, when we're like, you know, we need the gospel and something else, something else, Jesus is the gospel. There is nothing else. There's nothing else. If we're followers of Jesus, Jesus is our circumcision. He is our righteousness. He is our strength and our courage. He is our beauty and our love. He's all of it for us. And because Jesus, because he did live the life that we should have lived, because he died the death that we deserved, he can give all that to us. Do we have faith that Jesus is, that the gospel is the solution to the problems in our life? Well, where are we at in our lives? If we're angry, Let's say we're angry. Why? Why are we angry if we have Jesus? But also, but also, we think we need something else to calm us down, to satisfy us, to, you know, make us feel special. If we're, if we're down, discouraged, anxious, why? If we've got Jesus. But also, but also, we, we think we need some other thing, so, someone else, so, something to comfort us, something to give us peace and security beyond what Jesus gives us. If we're unsatisfied, you know, maybe we're, we're chasing after success or sex or power to fill some hole in us, right? Or, or maybe we're filling that hole with drugs or alcohol, shopping, gambling, eating, you know, screen time, whatever it is. Why? If we have Jesus. But also. But also. Christ alone. Christ alone. Right? It, it takes a leap of faith to see that Christ alone is all that we need. It's Christ alone. And remember, this is the Christ, right, that rose from the dead. He's the Christ that at the end is going to make all, all things new. He, he's got us. He's got all the power he needs, right? This is the Christ. Will we relax and fall into his arms? Holy Spirit, help us to relax and take that leap of faith. Okay, one more fruit here. Um, you know, the greatest of these is apples. No, the greatest of these is love. Love, love, right? Paul talks about this. It's in, it's in verse, um, he starts out, ooh, where am I? Um, he starts out in verse five. Um, he talks about how love also springs from our hope. And then in verse four, I want to read this. This is good. The love you have for all God's people. That's the kind of love he's talking about. The love we have for all God's people. And then in verse eight, Paul actually brings it up again. He singles out this fruit of love. This is the love that binds us together as a community. This is the self-sacrificial love that we see on the cross, on Jesus' cross. That's the love we're talking about. 
Okay, now I gotta say quickly that as a hardcore introvert, uh, as a robot that has very few emotions, this love talk, it does make me a little uncomfortable. Um, you know, over the years, I'll tell you, I've come to love all of you, but it hasn't been easy, um, but I do. I, I love you all, and I think part of my problem is that I've watched way too many sappy movies, sappy commercials. I have too narrow a view of love. And something that N.T. Wright says has been super helpful for me. He says, um, this love does not simply mean that, th this love doesn't simply mean that they all, as we might say, have good feelings about each other. They may or may not. What matters is that the behavior which marks out so much of the world, lust, anger, lies, and so on, which splits up families and communities, is being replaced by kindness, gentleness, forgiveness, and an acceptance of one another as members of the same family, even where there are major differences of race, background, and culture, I'd add politics. Um, this, as far as Paul is concerned, is the true sign of God at work, and he is thrilled and grateful to hear about it in the Colossians. Would Paul also be thrilled and grateful to hear about the love in the Duluth Vineyard community? You know, do we have the true sign, the true sign of God working in us here in our community? Yeah, I think we do. And I pray that we'll experience more and more of it, just so much more of it. Now, let, let's go back to how this springs out of hope. This love springs out of hope. Jesus, what he did, who he is, is our hope. And it's my experience that if you spend time with Jesus, if you drink in his love, it inevitably overflows, right? If we spend quality time just drinking in God's love, then you know what? We're, we're going to love our coworkers and our friends, our, 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 our children, our spouses more. We're going to treat them better. That's inevitably going to happen. I think, actually, this is what Jesus was getting at in Matthew 18. In Matthew 18, there's this parable. It's commonly called the parable of the unmerciful servant. There's this servant who owes a ton of money, so much money. And the king, surprisingly, like shockingly, forgives his ginormous debt. And then the servant, he has a fellow servant that owes him like a little tiny debt, and he refuses to forgive it. He like throws the guy in prison till he can pay the debt. And the king doesn't take kindly to that. Now, it's easy for us to see how the servant is a total jerk, right? He is so ungrateful. It is absurd that the king's generosity wouldn't change him, right? It, it's absurd how, how it doesn't like change his heart. It doesn't bear fruit. If we're followers of Jesus, because of the bloody cross, oh my goodness, Jesus has forgiven us our sins. Our debt, our ginormous debt is completely wiped out. And that is stored for us. It is saved for us in heaven. 
And there's more, right? Jesus is bringing us to life. As we talked about before, our insides are gonna be greater than our outsides. It is inevitable. He is bringing us to life. And that's stored out for us in heaven. We have been given so much. If we know that, if we hear that, it is absurd if it doesn't change us, if it doesn't bear fruit in us. Again, let's spend quality time drinking in God's love, drinking in the gospel, right? Maybe it's worshiping, maybe, you know, maybe it's praying and reading our Bible or getting out in nature, whatever it is, silence and solitude, let's spend time bringing, drinking it in so then it can overflow in fruit out of us. It can overflow. Yeah, let's never forget that this isn't about trying harder. No, it's not about trying harder at all. The gospel is good news. It's so joyous news. This God has forgiven our enormous debt because he loves us. He is madly in love with us. And as we press into the gospel, to him, to what he's done, as that goes deep in us, it naturally produces fruit. Let's let that happen. And then we will see this. We will see in us that love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Beautiful. That's what grows in us. Hey, why don't you stand up with me now? We're gonna press into ministry time and let's ask God for more of that in our lives more of that love poured into us. Let, let's ask him to bring us to life. So Holy Spirit, come. We welcome you here. We ask for Jesus' presence. Come, Holy Spirit. And Lord, um, we're humans. You know us so well. You know how impatient we are. I think so many of us want to jump to the end. We, we hear a passage like that and we're like, whoo, wait a minute, I keep a record of wrongs. I am not always patient. I sometimes fail. Oh no, I'm in big trouble. Lord, let, let us go back to the gospel. Let us start there, not start with our failures. Lord, right now, bring a new understanding of the true gospel, the good news of what you are and what you have done. Lord, help it sink in a new way. Help us to experience it. And Lord, out of that power, as that gospel comes to us, as Jesus comes to us, Lord, I ask for this fruit. As children, we come and we just beg for this fruit like you taught us to pray. Bring faith, hope, and love 
deposit that in each of us here today, this morning. Bring it, Lord. God, bring the, bring the hope, the hope that brings incredible assurance of what is stored up for us in heaven, that we are winners in Christ, that we have one. Help us to live from that place. And Lord, I ask that you just deposit that we can have incredible faith in what you have done, that we can live in that faith, that we can turn to you instead of all those other things we are turning to, we can turn our backs on them. And then I ask for that beautiful flower of love that it'll be our behavior, that we will go out and act that way in this world, that we will treat the people in our lives that way. Come Holy Spirit. I know this is gonna require change in all of us, and I am asking for that change because Jesus, you are the one that brings us to life. Come Lord, right now, and bring us to life. All right, I'd like to uh, invite the ministry team to come forward. And if you see any areas in your life that you're like, oh yeah, I need new life in that area. I want new life in that area. I would encourage you to take a leap of faith and come up and let someone pray for you. If, if you're living your life and, and you, don't, you know you're not living out of that place of hope, you, you, don't, you don't quite get what, that you're, you are secure, your value is set. Let someone pray that Jesus can show you this morning your value. This is incredible fruit that he brings in our lives, this faith, hope, and love, and we all need it. So I'm gonna encourage us to just slow down here. They're gonna lead us in some worship. Interact with God. Let him bring that to life in you. Let him grow the gospel in you. Let someone pray for you to help that happen. Thank you so much for coming.